everyone. Welcome to episode 16 of Misalign. This week we have an interview episode with you, and I'm here with my friend Jacob Tender. And I'm going to go ahead and let him introduce himself since he's done quite a few things within the music industry. Jacob, why don't you go ahead? Well, first off, thanks for having me. Um, like she said, I'm Jacob Tender. Uh, I've done a lot of stuff over the years in music. Um, specifically, I kind of got my start as an editor at Under the Gun Review. Um, and then from there, I spent a little time at Substream Magazine as online content editor. Um, I've got bylines at Alternative Press, Mind Equals Blown, Property Zach, and most recently, Modern Vinyl. So um, kind of apart from that, I do some PR from Hire, or PR for Hire, I'm sorry. Uh, I have a history with other people records and in the class records, and um, kind of as a result of that, I'll be doing a... a speaking event at South by Southwest this year on a panel with uh, with a couple friends about PR and stuff like that. And uh, I think that's what you wanted to talk about today, right? Yeah, definitely. But before we dig into that real quick, um, your site, Curbside Audio, mm-hmm. are you planning on doing some more writing there more frequently, or is it sort of a when-you-have-time kind of thing? Yeah, sort of both. Um, when I left Substream Magazine, uh, I, that was I found myself without a publication for the first time in uh, quite a few years, so um, I kind of took that as an opportunity to sort of double down on uh, my own personal writing and um, sort of just writing for myself. And with you know curbside audio, uh, which is my blog, I can sort of you know write about whatever I want. It doesn't have to be specifically about music. Um, I write a lot about movies and a lot about technology and uh, you know the kinds of things that influence my life on a daily basis. So. Uh, you know, you can find all sorts of things there in addition to linking to freelancing stuff that I do like modern vinyl and, and stuff like that. That's where you'll find updates on, you know, my, my podcast or, um, you know, what I'm reading and, and, uh, what beer I'm drinking. So there's, there's a whole bunch of stuff on there. Right. Yeah. I feel like that's what I was trying to do with hi-fi noise. When I started that, I was still mm-hmm. on Drexel and, I was doing stuff for Property of Zach once in a while, but that site was so focused on a specific area of music that if I wanted to talk about anything else, it that wasn't really the site to do that at. Mm-hmm. So I kind of just started it out of boredom one day, and now I have my friend MJ who's going to be helping out with some film reviews, write about some TV and that sort of stuff. So it's pretty cool to just kind of have a space where we can talk about whatever we want to talk about and not have to worry about constraints from other websites and deadlines and that sort of thing. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, having your own blog or, you know, having several places that you can write is, is always good. So you can kind of branch out and, uh, you know, there's, there's always a home for something, you know, if I have an idea for something that I think will be great on, um, alternative press, I'll pitch it to them. And, you know, if I think it might do a little better on say modern vinyl or, um, you know, one of my friend's blogs, maybe even the Holix website, uh, you know, I'll pitch it to them instead just to, you know, kind of get the right sort of content and the right sort of place in front of the people that would actually find it most helpful or interesting. Right. Okay. So let's go ahead and speaking of pitches, kind of dive into what we mentioned earlier about PR. I've Mm -hmm. been going through this a bit with myself for Wreck-It Records, my record label. I'm working with a couple of indie rock bands right now. And it's pretty difficult to kind of get people's attention and get them posting about your band. So what I've been Mm -hmm. trying to do is kind of build my database, you know, get people's permission before just tossing them onto a press list or Mm -hmm. anything. 
And what do you think is the best way to kind of go about getting to know writers and what sites will work for what kind of bands? Um, it, it's so tricky. It's, it's insanely complicated and there are an infinite numbers, a number of ways to uh, sort of get your bands where you want them to be. Um, you know, you may want your band on a site like uh, Brooklyn Vegan, Brooklyn Vegan, but that might not be the best place for them. You know, um, they may not even be interested, and that's okay. You know, when you're starting out, you can't set your expectations too high. If you do that, you're only going to set yourself up for failure, um, especially if you're promising things to your bands that you you just can't deliver. You know, I. I was told this very early on by uh, another some friends in PR. You can't promise anything. All you can really do is promise that you'll do your best, but you can't promise coverage. You know, you can't guarantee that your pitch is going to land. Um, so that's the number one mistake I see a lot of uh, young PR people sort of doing. They'll promise their band's placement on uh, these certain websites or uh, in magazines and stuff where they think they have a good shot. Um, but in the end, you know, you're you're just setting yourself up for failure because if you get a no, you're not only, you know, kind of let down for that no, you're also uh, really damaging your relationship with your band because you set out to do this this promised thing and you, and you didn't come through. So at that point, you're breaking promises and that's no good. Um, so, you know, you're doing the right thing. You're, you're starting to build a contact list and, and that's really important. And, um, you know, for me, I, I got very lucky. I had a lot of contacts who, you know, shared their contacts list with me. And before I actually pulled those into my own database, I made sure to reach out like you're doing and, you know, sort of solicit their their email address for my list so that way rather than just sending my press releases out to you know the several thousand people that i obtained through friends um you know i i cultivated better relationships by reaching out to those people individually and seeing what they're into and seeing if they would like to be on the list because otherwise you know you're just all they're going to do is is put a mute filter on your email address and that's no good for or just unsubscribe if you're using something like MailChimp where that's easy to do and I did notice that when you have like I believe it's StereoGum they have tips at StereoGum.com if you send anything there and they have no clue who you are they'll pretty much automatically unsubscribe or info at emails it's like those are such a long shot you might as well just not even bother putting those on if you don't have right. a specific contact at the site. And with my bands right now, like my contact list is only about 40 people maybe mm-hmm. because I'm still going through that process of building up contacts. Yeah. And what I've done with each band is I've met with them, sat down and been like, okay, what sites have covered you before that maybe we would have luck with again? And mm-hmm. usually it's like, local sites, you know, like LA Weekly or things like that. So it's not like huge national websites or sites, you know, like Alt Press where tons of people just go visit those sites every day. Mm -hmm. But it's still a good place to start, especially for small local bands that I'm working with. Yeah, that's a great place to start out. And you got to start small and build up. 
Um, that's how you build really good, great relationships. And, you know, from that, the the writers that you're talking to at these local publications, those people could go on and write somewhere else even bigger. And if you already have a relationship with those people, a really great working relationship where you really facilitated their career um, by that, by pitching them your bands, you know, it's, it's mutually beneficial. And that's what it's all about. It's making relationships um, and even partnerships over time. And it's... It, it varies with every site that you go to. You know, every single writer is different. So if you want to get those bigger sites, go for it. You know, for me, I've always made a list of my of my own sort of like bucket list pitches. Um, I make a, a list of, of blogs and magazines where I really want coverage. I want something of mine to be in there. And that's, that sort of motivates me to... Um, to, you know, reach for those things, but at the same time keeps me in check when I'm writing correspondence to people at those publications. That way, um, you know, I'm, I'm playing it. I'm playing it sort of safe. You know, I'm, I'm pitching, um, but I'm not being over eager because I don't want to lose the potential opportunity at those at those labels, or, or rather, at those uh, at those publications. So, um, you know, it's it's a long game. You know, it's it's not a short thing. You can't just dive into it and be really good at it right away. You've got to have contacts and to do that, like you have to build those contacts and you have to facilitate relationships with people. Um, and every single one of those people is different. Every writer, every editor, they're all different people with different interests and different agendas. You know, a smart publicist isn't going to like, they're not going to force their agenda on a writer. They're not going to, um, say, okay, well, this is what I want. Let's do that. Um, if they're smart, they're going to tailor make their plans around the writer or the editor if they really want that sort of placement. Um, a great thing to start with is is following writers that you that you enjoy on Twitter. You know, it's it's awesome. It's the best networking site in the world. All you have to do is follow them, you know, follow their tweets and see what they're into. And if, you know, if that's something that you're also into, jump on it. You know, get involved, have a conversation. Um, I say engage them, don't pitch them. It's always better to make friends and build relationships before you ask for something. You know, it's as as far as I've in my work ethic, that's that's always just been the best way. If I make a pitch, it's not going to land because you know what? It, why would they do anything for me? Do something um, to show them that you're interested in what they're doing and you're interested in helping out their career. And they'll be a lot more apt to help you with yours. Yeah, and I mean, with you and I, we've both kind of been on each side of this. We've been doing PR for some bands, and we write as well. So it's kind of like we get to see both sides of how this works. Mm -hmm. I've been sent emails where someone will spell my name wrong. And I notice this a lot with Zach from Property of Zach, if they spelled his name wrong, he just would not even bother with yeah. the email. Considering his name was in the site, that's a little more <laughs> understandable. <laughs> yeah. But with me being not only like a new writer, but also new to doing PR for bands, I kind of don't feel like I can do things like that and just ignore mm -hmm. people. So I see a lot of pitches come in for not necessarily pitches, but just press releases in general for hi-fi noise. I'll get stuff from big picture media and Brixton agency, which they're two of the pretty big PR firms in our scene. Mm -hmm. 
and everything is so put together and everything's always so nice and professional that they can pretty much send me anything and I'd be willing to post it on my website. Mm-hmm. Even sure. if it's something that I'm not completely into, but you know, it doesn't sound like trash. So, you know, it'll do well. Yeah. I think you touched on a couple of really good things there. Um, you know, with, with a press release, like it's so important to have everything together. Not only should your press release look good on any device that you look at it, uh, like your phone, your your computer, you should be sending test emails to every device you own and all of your friends before you send out a mass release um, just to make sure that it looks okay. That's so important, but on the other hand, um, you know, those sort of things are can be sort of impersonal. You know, so no matter how well your press release is put together or how clean up how clean your press kit is or how many links are available to the writers so they don't have to go searching and photos and all of that, that should all be there. But at the same time, I think uh, a lot of writers would prefer a more personalized pitch. You know, I think that there is a place for blasts where, you know, you're announcing something sort of um, at scale. And usually that follows a, sub- a couple of, um, you know, individual pitches that maybe you can land to either release little bits of the uh, record release or, um, you know, premiere an album or a video or do an interview about something um, to sort of to bolster that press release that you're going to send out to a bunch of different people. That way you can get some press quotes and you can kind of link to hype and interest that's already surrounding the thing, which might get you a little more, uh, a little more press just off that mass release. So it's, it's definitely, it's a balancing game. You gotta, you gotta have it clean. You gotta have it tight, but at the same time, like good PR is, is super personal and, they're going to keep coming back. Writers are going to always come back to publicists that work with them and work in the way that they like to work. Yeah. And especially since I've been working with bands that are so small, you know, like fewer than a thousand likes on Facebook and that sort of thing. Mm -hmm. I've noticed that sending out a mass email doesn't necessarily work, even though my contact list is only about 40 people or so. Mm -hmm. So what I started doing was, to find new sites to post on and whatnot, I would find the person's email address and send them, you know, like a paragraph with the links they need and everything Mm -hmm. and kind of go that way. Especially if it's a site like Absolute Punk, you know how you can see the staff members, what kind of bands they like. Stuff like that makes it extremely easy to kind of figure out who you should be pitching your music to. And I know quite a few sites do that. I think the Nerdist, you can go and see what people have posted. So you can see if, you know, they're into indie, pop, punk music, that sort of thing. And when sites do that, it's extremely helpful, not only for PR, mm. but for bands who don't have PR as well. Right. Yeah. Absolute punks are a great example of that. And I think that kind of spans all across, uh, you know, the certain certain sort of alternative uh, music sphere that we kind of find ourselves in. Um, you know, if if I'm working with this awesome, you know, sort of uh, pop driven female artist, um, I'm probably not going to send that to Jason Tate as a news item. You know, he might he might be into it, but chances are probably not. It's not a style. I'm probably better off sending that to like Joe D'Andrea, you know, or Keegan or, well, Christian's not there anymore, but, you know, somebody that that might be really, really into that. So sending it to the right person is definitely 
is definitely a good idea. And that just falls right in line with kind of knowing who you're pitching to and sort of being involved in, in what they like. And, uh, and that's, it just makes it that much more personal. Yeah. So I think we've done a good job here of covering press, but what I've kind of been asking people who have come on this line so far is what are some of your anticipated releases for 2016? You know, it's February. So we only, only went through January so far, and there's still a ton of music to be released. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I I don't know. I don't listen to a whole lot of music lately. Or I haven't really. Um, I'm sort of behind. 2015 was uh, was sort of a slow year for music on my end. I listened to a lot of female pop releases, um, and uh, and yeah, I honestly I don't really know of a whole lot that's coming out this year. I know Ariana Grande should have a record coming out hopefully in February. It was supposed to come out in October. I was pretty bummed when that didn't make its way to release. Um, the 1975 has one coming out pretty soon. I'm pretty stoked for that. The Starting Line has a new EP. Uh, I'm still waiting for Frank Ocean to come out of hiding. Uh, I've no. <laughs> I have no idea where where that record is or if that's coming. Um, and then Jai Paul is is still sort of off in in limbo. I have no idea what the hell is going on with that campaign. But um, yeah, I, I don't know. That's that's it. I should really ask you what should I what should I be anticipating? I have no idea what's even on its way out. Well, personally, I mean, I've mentioned this on previous episodes, so people might be tired of hearing it, but. I really want to see what Gwen Stefani does this year, whether it's uh, her solo stuff or no doubt stuff, just because of the whole post-divorce thing and everything seems to do be going well with Blake. So we'll see if there's, you know, any country influence in her album. <laughs> I have no comment. I am probably the uh, I'm probably Gwen Stefani's biggest anti-fan. I <laughs> I never liked No Doubt. I've never liked Gwen Stefani. She always annoyed the hell out of me, but to each their own. I know how much you're into it, and uh, that's exciting, but definitely, definitely not on my list. Yeah, and I know, like, Somos should have a new record this year. The Pine Grove record will be out soon, which should be really good. Um, and then Sundressed and Fossil Youth both have been on Take This to Heart Records. They should each have new music out this year. But I mean, with Sundress having all their gear stolen, that might be slightly delayed. So we'll see if that still ends up happening at some point this year. Hmm. I wonder how much I'll connect to your audience because I have absolutely no idea who any of those bands are. <laughs> I'm really behind. I, I, I admit that. But uh, yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, I don't know. they're I, mostly I'm so, smaller I'm so bands. Things, but yeah. Okay. Just like, uh, like pop punk sort of stuff? or Yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah, I haven't listened to a whole lot of that lately. Um, Before the Streetlights is a new band that uh, James Shawell is putting out on Antique Records. They're pretty good. Um, I don't know. Uh, oh, that that new Rocket Summer record. That one for sure. I listened to that uh, a couple months ago, and it's it's insane. I don't know if that's out. It's supposed to come out sometime this month. But um, Zoetic is going to be really really good. I'm stoked for that. I'll have to check that out. I totally forgot about the Rocket Summer for a bit. <laughs> so good. That's how I also felt about the summer set, and then they just had that music video come out. I was like, oh yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. That music video is good. Um, I think I think Connor, uh, she and sort of said it right i think uh i think it's sort of a bit like a fun ballad but at the same time i think it's uh it's it's good i think it's a good song 
yeah, it'll be interesting to see what all they come out with this year if they do have an album in the works, which I think they do. Yeah. No, they do. Yeah. yeah, there's one coming out. The pre-orders, I think, are up. Yeah, and that's st- they're still on Fearless, and it's always interesting to kind of see what Fearless does. I mean, I entered interned there two summers in a row, and mm-hmm. they have such a wide variety of bands, it seems. Like, you'll have Motionless and White and then the summer set coming yeah. out with albums around the same time or something, and they had Go Radio, which was, like, totally different than anything else on the label. Yeah. And all their old stuff is, like, insanely different from what they do now That when yeah. they had, like, Big Wig, Kid Dynamite, and those kind of bands. But, yeah. For sure. It'll be interesting yeah. to see the rollout for the summer set. Yeah, I think yeah. I, a lot of labels seem to be diversifying a bit, and, I, you know, it's really smart because you know, kids aren't all into – um, one particular genre these days, you know, there, there's still a bit of that. There are some people that are, you know, they're just all into post hardcore or all into pop punk, but there's definitely a, uh, a more, uh, blended area, sort of a gray zone for, um, for a lot of listeners to, to kind of pick and choose what they want to listen to. Yeah. And speaking of not really necessarily sticking to one genre and stuff, I know a bunch of our friends, colleagues on Twitter and all that, we each kind of have quite different hobbies or like obsessions and that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. And your big one is Star Wars. <laughs> so yeah. why don't we jump into that a little bit? You just started a podcast based on Star Wars. And yeah. how did you go about, you know, starting up the podcast with your friend Mike and coming up with the name for the podcast? Hmm. That's a, that's a good question. I don't know. I've been, I've been working on a podcast for a while. You know, I've just been trying to get something going and I've recorded a couple test episodes with a few people, um, not just based on Star Wars, but just things in general. Um, I mean, as you know, I listen to, to podcasts quite a lot and while I may not listen to quite as much as you do throughout the week, I'm, I'm fairly close. I mean, I listen to dozens and dozens of hours of podcasts a week and, you know, I just, I've always wanted to have, uh, you know, one of my own, something to kind of keep me busy and, uh, keep my creative juices flowing. And it just sort of seemed like a natural thing to start doing one about Star Wars. I've been writing a lot more about Star Wars lately, and, uh, and it's sort of a natural extension of that. And one night, you know, I was just I was texting my my friend Mike Comite, who uh, performs under the moniker Old Best Friend. Uh, you know, we were just talking about Star Wars. We just recently seen the movie. I'm like, hey, you want to you know just jump on the phone and record a, a quick thing about it and see what comes out of it? And that ended up being a three and a half hour uh, conversation about. The Force Awakens, and it sort of jumped all over the place, and it just wasn't something that I thought we could release. So um, from there, we we sort of planned it out and made talking points for another recording session, and then from there, uh, we came up with a, a name for the show, um, just basically by trial and error. We had a, gr- a bunch of you know kind of fun names, but uh, with like ninety plus Star Wars podcasts on the the iTunes store right now, uh, it's sort of hard to to get a good one because a lot of them are taken. Um, so, you know, now that's podcasting or uh, Full of Sith or Sith Happens. Like, those are all gone. Those those have all been taken a long time ago. But Bantha Fodder, which was one of the first ones that we came up with, um, mysteriously wasn't taken. So we picked that up as something that we both really liked from, um, you know, sort of uh, Star Wars lore. And, uh, and, yeah, I think it's a fitting name. That's We came up with that, came up with the branding and everything everything came about for the first episode uh, and and got online probably within a week. Yeah, I've been listening to the first couple of episodes you released, and for those who might not know, Mm -hmm. what's kind of 
the process of figuring out what you're going to talk about for the episodes? Do you kind of just pick a topic and go with that, or is there some kind of precision to choosing? Um, we've been really working heavily on production of the show. You know, with so many Star Wars podcasts out there, you really have to find a way to stand out. And uh, a lot of the ones that I listen to are great. You know, there's there's so many awesome Star Wars podcasts just for like really deep insight and theories and um, and just general discussion about Star Wars canon. Uh, and we wanted to do something a little bit different. We're still going to, you know, kind of dig into that. We'll be reading some of the books. And, of course, we're watching the movies and the shows and talking about that. But we really want to dig into, um, you know, some of the feelings and make it a little more anecdotal uh, while at the same time upping the production game. Because something that I think a lot of Star Wars podcasts are lacking at the moment is just clear production. Um, it's a lot of it's a lot of quickly recorded uh, material that ha- really has like little to no editing, uh, really really poor introductions with sound and uh, poor mic quality. Uh, so we we want to up that game. We you know we both have some semi professional recording equipment. Mike is a musician. He he works in Logic, so he can whip up an episode in in no time flat. Uh, and you know we've just been playing with it. We created our our own uh, sort of theme music based on uh, the Fox Fanfare and some Star Wars themes, and uh, and we you know chuck in a whole bunch of fun little bumpers and stuff like that. We just we want it to sound fun and sort of a, a combination of a lot of the shows that I like, which tend to be more like the two dudes talking sort of genre. Uh, and he he's really into like the NPR and. Um, and Gimlet and Radio Lab sort of thing with the higher production and uh, and stuff like that, like Love and Radio. So, um, sort of that blend sort of comes together to make the basis of the show. And on top of that, our topics are, are planned out. We have a really long document full of stuff that we kind of um, plan on talking about at some point. And you know, things move around. It's based on our interests and what you know. Maybe we're both reading at the at the time. Um, it may take a couple of weeks to, to finish a book, so we'll kind of put that one off, but sort of plan it out so that we can get to that. In the meantime, talk about some other things. Uh, you know, episode two was about rewatching Star Wars movies, both in theaters and at home. Uh, and episode three, which we finished recording this morning, is uh, is more about the viewing order of, of Star Wars and the different ways that people, um, you know, choose to watch it, whether it be sequentially or um, chronologically. So, um so yeah, it's uh, it, it's fun. I mean, every week we plan on doing something just a little bit different, and uh, just we'll see where it goes. We're still working on it. Yeah, and as far as production goes, you mentioned Mike is into music and all that stuff. So he uses Logic, which is also what I use for this podcast. But I've noticed the main issue that I've been having with trying to you know get good production quality and everything is that mm-hmm. the only way really for me to record misaligned and my other podcast sports up is over skype and it's like Mm -hmm. if you don't have the strongest internet connection possible it'll kind of go in and out and that sort of thing so it's kind of hard to rely on those things is that how you guys record or do you each record yeah we do it we have a we have a fairly complex setup um we I'm not sure exactly what software he's using on his end I believe he's recording straight into logic um 
but on my end, I run uh, Skype for the call just so you know we can have the conversation. And I, I'll record the Skype call um, using Audio Hijack just as sort of a backup and a way for Mike to, to sort of line up the audio if he needs it. Yeah, um, that's what otherwise... I do, except it's not a backup for us. It is the file we use. Yeah, that is, that is what you use. Yeah, but on top of that, we, you know, we're, we're both using our individual mics and recording locally. So through Audio Hijack, I, I hijack and record both the Skype call and my mic at the same time. Um, and at the end of it, you know, depending on what Mike wants, I'll usually just send him my, my microphone recorded version. Uh, and we'll sync it up using a one, two, three clap. And then uh, that way he can he can sort of put it together. And that way you can use the Skype call as the base. And then on top of that, uh, each individual person has their own locally recorded uh, file. That way there's there's no sound artifacts from Skype. There's no uh, you know there's no latency between talking. You can just sort of match it up, and the quality ends up being a lot better. And uh, that's that's what we're really striving for. Yeah, I think that's something I'll have to start doing on my end is just having my mic go straight to a recorder and audio hijack because I also use that. But then mm -hmm. with the little Skype box you have an audio hijack, you can change it so that you're you're only recording the people who are talking to you and not yourself as well. And I'm thinking mm -hmm. that might be the best way because, you know, if I'm talking and there's some noise on their end but it's all mashed into one file. It kind of just gets stuck in yeah, the background. It's, yeah, and, it's impossible to edit out. Yeah, and I actually had this issue earlier with Sports Up. I was editing, and there were a ton of like clicks or like keyboard noises. I wasn't even entirely sure what it was, and I mm -hmm. just ended up giving up because I could not possibly take them all out. But with Misaligned, because there's three of us on the regular episodes – you know, if Caitlin and Megan can't record their ends, which I don't expect them to because I am the one who edits the podcast and everything, and mm -hmm. not everyone is technically savvy enough to kind of do that and send it and have everything work out perfectly. So for us, it's like this is the best option we have, and we kind of just have to make it the best we can with what we have. Yeah, it's. I mean, it's definitely a, a choice with trade-offs. So you, know, you can do it that way, and it does end up being a lot easier. But if you if you really want to up the game, um, you know, there there are tons of options. And even if um, even if they don't have like microphones of their own, and they're just using you know basically like their Mac or even like their uh, Apple earbuds or something, um, recording that locally can still be a lot better. Because like you said, you can edit out a lot of the noise fragments on other people's ends while you know say you're talking. If if somebody hits the desk or something, you can just clip that out, and it, you'll your part on the actual final recording will stay uh, uninterrupted. So. You know, they can record that if they have GarageBand or you can download Audacity for free. Uh, it's not that hard to get an older copy of Audio Hijack if that's what ends up working. Like, I, you may even be able to record in QuickTime. I'm not too sure, but there are tons of options. And, you know, it's, it's just playing with your setup and trying to get the best sound. And uh, when it comes to podcasting, at least a lot of the ones that I listen to, production is definitely uh, a strong point in a lot of those shows. And that's what uh, Mike and I are, are definitely trying to go for with Mantha Fodder. Yeah, and the three of us, we don't have any crazy mic setups or anything. Like, two of us have a Yeti, and I believe Caitlin has mm -hmm. a Samson microphone. And they're oh, all yeah. just USB mics. So at least the microphones aren't the problem. Usually it's just kind of the background noise or yeah. internet connections cutting in and out, which 
we did have that quite a few times, especially early on when it was Caitlin, Ashley, and I doing it. It's like, it's been a big learning process. And like I mentioned Mm -hmm. at the start of this episode, this is only episode 16. And the few that have been interview episodes were just ones that I've done the interviews. So it's like, we're still kind of getting the feel for everything, but I listened to your podcast and it sounds like you guys pretty much have it figured out from the start. And I know you Mm -hmm. and I both listen to quite a few Relay FM podcasts or even the talk show. And it's like, Mm -hmm. they go so crazy with their setups, especially accidental tech podcast. I was just like, I can, I cannot spend that much money to do a podcast that Mm -hmm. I'm making no money off of. At least, you know, they have sponsorships and are making money and can afford these things, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And you know, accidental tech podcast is sort of an outlier because you know they do go so you know above and beyond due to, to due to basically Marco's just you know incessant need for audio perfection, and that's great. That's why the show is so awesome. But with a lot of the Relay FM shows, a lot of their hosts are just using you know either Yeti snowballs uh, or sorry blue snowballs or, or blue Yetis. Um, Jason Snell recommends the Yeti as you know the best starter microphone, um, and it, you know, if you, if you really want to up it up, just, you know, individually record your audio because otherwise it doesn't matter what mic you're using. If, if you're using a Yeti, but you're recording the audio through Skype, you may as well just be talking straight at your laptop because the audio quality isn't going to be that much better due to basically all the bits crunching down as it gets sent from, uh, you know, one computer over the other through through Skype. So there's a lot of artifacts there and stuff like that. So. Yeah, it's, you know, it's it's a process. Luckily, Mike and I have both been uh, doing recording sort of things for a really long time, and we have a little bit of experience, and so that kind of helped us from the start. But uh, it's it's never too late to, to sort of change things up, and it doesn't have to be as, as expensive or difficult as... Um, as you may see, as you might think it is. So, check out Six Colors, Jason Snell's website. Looking at look at the po- podcasting tab. Um, just yeah, look for the tag on his website for podcasting, and he's got a ton of, of great tips for recording podcasts in GarageBand or or in Logic, and what equipment you should you be you know you could start using, and editing pr- techniques and stuff like that. And you can really really clean stuff up with very minimal effort. I think it's just a matter of actually, you know, taking the time to do that stuff because our regular episodes, we only record every two weeks. So sometimes Mm -hmm. it's kind of hard to get everyone in the mood to kind of do more work for it, you know? Yeah. Really, if you're you're doing a majority of the work, though, if you're doing the, like, the editing, I'd say, you know, make them do it. You know, if all they have to do is individually record their audio in Audacity and then, you know, all they have to do is drag and drop their their session audio into Dropbox, send you the link and they're done. You know, it's, it's one very easy step on their end in addition to just getting on the call and recording. Yeah. And I'm not trying to say that they wouldn't do this or anything. It's just something we haven't really discussed because I know the reason I do the editing is because no one else wanted to. It's not because I was good at it or anything, you know? So it's like, we're kind of just going to maybe have to take it baby steps to get up to that level. So hopefully you know, I probably should have done it with this episode where I recorded my mic separately and just had you coming through on Skype this way, you know, we would have the two audio files for that. But 
yeah, I was lazy and didn't do that. <laughs> Been doing a lot of podcasts it's all, lately. It's all good. Absolutely. You know, just uh, do some research and just kind of plan it out and, and, you know, try it. You know, if it ends up being too much hassle, that's fine, but at least you'll give it a shot and, and who knows, maybe the the quality of it will impress you enough and impress your co-host enough that it'll be uh, definitely be worth doing again in the future. Yeah, and who knows, maybe this portion of this episode will help other people who have been wanting to start a podcast or even, you know, the guys at Modern Vinyl who do their Modern Vinyl podcast, which is what we're yeah. a part of. The uh, the new Modern Vinyl show is awesome, by the way. Vinyl Crawl is sweet. That was an awesome episode. That first episode was great. Yeah. Have you listened to Pilot Study? No, not yet. Is that the TV show? Yeah. If you're a TV guy, that's definitely a fun one to listen to. They did like Scooby-Doo last week. And this week, I think it was out today, which is Tuesday, and then this will be going up on Thursday, but they did Hannibal this week, and it's okay. it's a pretty cool show if you're into TV. Who's hosting that? Uh, it's Chris and his friend Grimes. Okay. Interesting. Yeah, I'll check that one out. But as soon as I saw the the promotion for for Vinyl Crawl, I'm like, yeah, that's going to be my show. Beer and Beer and music, that sounds great. Yeah, and the Modern Vinyl podcast is part of the Jabberjaw Media, so it's like they're pulling in new listeners as well and part of a whole mm. different community on top of the, you know, Modern Vinyl network of podcasts. Yeah, that's definitely awesome. It's it's cool to s sort of, you know, um network with different podcasters and stuff. That's definitely something that we've been working on with uh with our show and it's been working out great. You know, the same the week that we launched our our first episode of Bantha Fodder, um, two or three more Star Wars podcasts popped up like within three days. So, <laughs> uh, you know, I, I listened to all of those and uh, it's sort of fun to sort of come up with a couple other people that are getting started, even if it's you know, not necessarily their first show. It's um, it's definitely cool to, to sort of team, team up with people in the way of promotion and, you know, just sort of uh, getting involved in the community because it, it definitely helps out everybody. Yeah, definitely. Well, I think... I will go ahead and let you go. We've been here for a while now, and I'm sure you know you want to get ready to release your next podcast episode since you said <laughs> you finished that earlier. But thank yeah. you for coming on, and you are more than welcome to come back anytime you want to talk more music. You know, maybe we can see if that Frank Ocean album comes out. We can have a discussion about that. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> I would love to come on for the Frank Ocean record release. That would be great. Awesome. Well, thanks again, and we hope. You all enjoy the rest of your day. Awesome. Thanks. See you later.